0: Uh, My name is Wendell, and um, I'm substitute teaching today. So, um, most of you, I see familiar faces most right. around. Most. So, anyway, um, let's begin. Um, Russell, do you mind have prayer?
1: Eternal Heavenly Father, we come before you today, acknowledge <laughs> you as our Creator and our Redeemer, and we want to thank you for giving us this day and what it represents. Uh, please guide our study this morning as we continue to delve into the uh, gift of prophecy, the word of prophecy, Uh, be with those of our group who are not with us today, bring them safely back in the weeks ahead, continue to bless our class both corporately and individually, in the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Amen.
0: Okay, today's lesson is um, lesson number five. Uh, the inspiration of the prophets. We've been going over the um, prophetic gift. And ins- we're talking talk- talk about inspiration today. Um, define inspiration. What do we mean? I can read from Webster's. I'd say it's the lights turned on. Ah. Ford? No. Ford commercial, you know, whatever. Or or GE or whatever. Um, Okay. Uh, Webster's a divine influence or action on a person believed to qualify him or her to receive and communicate sacred revelation. Number two. The action or power of moving the intellect or emotions. The act of influencing or suggesting opinions. The act of drawing in, specifically drawing in the air into your lungs. The quality of being inspired. Something that is inspired. A scheme was pure inspiration. Hopefully we're not talking about schemes today. But um, some people think so. My brother-in-law thinks very strongly that this is all a scheme. Um, Someone read the memory text, 2 Timothy 3.16.
2: All scripture is given by inspiration of
3: God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in
0: righteousness. Okay. What version was that?
2: Well,
0: the one you read was New King James. New King James. So, the, what we read was the New King James. Anyone have any other versions that you like that that say anything significantly different? I'd like to read two versions differently. Okay, one is from God's Word Translation. Uh, every Scripture passage is inspired by God. All of them are useful for teaching, pointing out errors, and correcting people in. And training, every scripture passage from the um, Bible in basic English, every holy writing which comes from God is of profit for teaching, for training, for guiding, for education and righteousness. What's the difference? What questions need to be satisfied before you accept this statement as something that you apply? What did Paul have at this time for inspired writings? The Old Testament. Old Testament. Okay? Commonly referred to in the New Testament as Moses and the prophets. Okay? Or the law. So when he was writing about this, we didn't have this half of the Bible or third of the Bible that we like, you know, to read from um to whom were these messages in the Old Testament sent
1: children of Israel
0: by and large, a group of middle eastern Sumerian type peoples, okay with that all that entails okay we when we read this, what do we? describe this text to apply to? I'm sorry? The Bible. The Bible, which is what? Define the Bible.
2: Everything we have, the old and the new.
0: Okay, the old and the new. I have New American Standard version, okay? Old and new. I have a collection of Bibles at home I like to Um, look at various translations in my little pocket gadget. If you see me reading scripture along in the church, whatever, you'll see me reading out of this gadget. This has 16 translations in it. And um, some of the translations are different than each other. Some have a collection of writings in the middle of it called the Apocrypha. Are we talking about this when we read that text. My friends from other denominations believe that to be very true. In some of my translations that I have, this is not collected all in the middle like others. It's distributed throughout the text of that translation. And so I may come upon Weird and wonderful titles for books. When I'm trying to find, you know, those little books in the middle, Amos and Joel and all those things, I can't find. Okay. I looked this morning. I couldn't find it. I have a copy of the Quran. Does that apply? Does, does this text apply to the Quran? Is, is he shaking heads? No. Why not? I mean, if Paul wasn't talking about 66 books when he was talking about it, how do we come up with talking about 66 books when we talk about it and we get excited about talking about 80 or whatever books it is when someone else talks about it? I mean, President Kennedy funeral, they read from a passage at his graveside from the Apocrypha. And everyone said, Great. Okay? Well, I'd like you to think about that, um, the Tammud or whatever. Um, and I don't want to spend too much time on this, but I think it's important to remember what we're reading and what we're scribing to be holy or inspired or whatever. And often when you're talking to your friends, at least when I'm talking to my friends downtown, I'm using the same words that they are are using and yet we're talking about two separate things. You know, their authorities are different than my authorities. We're going to cover this a little bit more in in uh, um, lesson eight in the quarterly. And so I don't want to spend all the time today, but I think it's important to bring up. Yes?
1: In the past few months, I have run into new friends and old friends who who would take a text like this and say you're you're trying to prove scripture by itself, right? Which would be you know analogous to
0: right.
1: Hitler proving his actions because of the book he wrote. Um, and I didn't have a good I didn't have a good answer for for why you can't prove scripture by itself. And I was I kind of. Chastised that, that I couldn't, and, and and in hindsight, my my best answer was, well, you can you can prove the divine inspiration of scripture just by the results you get, but you know the results from the Quran, studying from certain studies of the Quran are different, and the results from certain studies of scripture.
0: I, I was just going to mention that, that there are several places that you know there you know, my brother in law says there's been more um, bloodshed over. My holy book, than right. over everything else in the world, and, and he will he is a you know, I, I can't mention things in his home. We go there pretty much every Thanksgiving, and um, now that my father's died, we no longer have a blessing of the food because the patriarch has died, and now my brother-in-law is now the patriarch, and that's done. It's a different, yes.
2: Is it is Scripture inspired because Paul, in this script in this text, says it's inspired, or is it is is Scripture true and um, whatever because it is, or is it because it's said in this text here? I think that's what you're saying. Right. That it is what it is. Paul's just mentioning it here.
0: Right.
2: Scripture is inspired. Because it is inspired, not because Paul says it or I say it or we can prove it in scripture or out of scripture.
1: Yeah, it but that, that's something you believe, and that's something I believe. But someone who doesn't believe that, well, you can say, you I know, you red is other, red because it's red.
2: It is, but someone's colorblind,
1: certain, they say, well, that's not red, it's green.
2: No, you'd say, well, this is the, it's red because we have ascribed a certain wavelength pattern to be called red i understand that you don't see it that way it doesn't make it any less red oh i agree it's not green because you say it's you, you think it's green it's still red but um i think that that's where the um point comes in is look at the fruits of it or you know it is because it is regardless of if i say so or you say so or even in this case that paul says so
0: i think that point is important to make it's inspired because it's inspired And we need to keep that in mind as we go throughout this lesson today, of inspiration. Okay? It is God-originated. And sometimes we have difficulty coming up with it being God-originated.
2: You could also say that inspiration is truth, and truth is truth whether we recognize it or not. You know, just like Dr. Jennings talks about the law of gravity, or, or the law of liberty, You know, you can test it. You know it's right and it's true. I mean, it just is true whether we see it or recognize it or acknowledge it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Very well said. Someone reads Sabbath afternoons in the quarterly, the Sabbath afternoon um, introduction. Christians have long.
1: Christians have long debated the question. What does it mean when we say that the Bible is inspired? For Seventh-day Adventists, there is, in addition, the question of the inspiration of G. White. In 1906, she wrote a letter to an Adventist physician in which she refuted the idea that every word she wrote was as inspired as the Ten Commandments. Quote, My brother, you have studied my writings diligently, and you have never found that I have made any such claims. Neither will you find that the pioneers in our cause ever made such claims. taken from Selected Messages, Book 1, page 24. This week we'll study some of the issues surrounding the question of inspiration.
0: What writings are inspired? How should I read a thought-leading book? Are these not the same questions that everyone should have? Whether they've come across Mrs. White's writings or not. Okay? Is what I'm reading inspired of God? Is this not the same question I have to ask when I'm reading Mrs. White or Rick Warren or Chuck Swindoll? or Max Lucado, or Tim Jennings. Seriously. Right. You know, I mean, we need to have our antenna up and our our eyes open when we're reading. There is a difference between what persons claim to have. Okay? It's our responsibility to verify the claims or the assertions of it, whether something is true or not. And again, that's next week's lesson, so I won't spend too much time, although it was brought up in this week's lesson (laughs) as an introduction. Someone read for us Acts 17, 10 and 11.
3: As soon as it was night, the
1: brothers sent Paul and Silas away to Berea. On arriving there, they went to the Jewish synagogue. Now the Bereans were of more noble character than the Thessalonians... For they received the message with great eagerness and examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true.
0: Any other versions for noble minded?
2: Open minded.
0: Open minded.
2: Fair minded.
0: Fair minded. Anything else? A couple other translations better disposed. A noble character. You know. And I think that we ought to ascribe to that. You know, and examine what what's what we're what we're reading. Okay, Um, are there varying degrees of inspiration? Yes, I heard. I said, uh huh. Do we have any? You know, do we? How do we make those those determinations?
3: I think
2: that's what science has in. You know, against religion is that science they feel is provable, even though they have many theories that are not really provable, and they hold to them as if they are the truth. They say that about religion. That you have many theories that are really unprovable. It's kind of a figment of your imagination. You build it up because you have emotional needs, and it's not really provable.
0: Okay. Um, while we're discussing this, I'd like someone to look up Deuteronomy 14:22 through26. Someone look up Psalms 137, 8, and 9. And someone look up 1 John 4, 8, and 16. So, we we talk about various degrees of inspiration. Okay? Um, I had a friend who believed that certain parts of the Bible weren't inspired. And so, he started tearing pages out of his Bible. (laughs) In the translation that I have up here, New New American Standard, if, if someone's reading from the New King James and I'm reading from the New American Standard, there's certain parts that are not in this Bible, that are in your Bible. And I'm not talking about the Apocrypha. I'm talking about certain chapters in the Bible are missing, certain verses are missing. For example you know, when Christ went by and, and healed the guy that was a lame guy for 38 years or whatever by the pool of Bethesda, in that story, depending on what translation you're reading from, the bit about the angel coming down and stirring the water is not there. Okay? It's interesting. It's been shown by critical thinkers that that part was probably inserted by a scribe based on comparisons of early manuscripts. It's interesting that Mrs. White, whenever she comments on that story, she says it was thought that, you know, she doesn't describe it as being a reality, whatnot, and she had, she did not have access to those ancient manuscripts. I think it's very interesting that, you know. Yeah. Anyway, someone read for us the first text, Deuteronomy fourteen twenty-two through twenty-six.
3: You are to set aside a tenth of all that your fields produce each year. Eat the tithe of your grain. New wine and oil, and the firstborn of your herds and flocks in the presence of the Lord, your God, at the place he will choose as a dwelling for his name, so that you may learn to revere the Lord, your God, always. But if that place is too distant, and you have been blessed by the Lord, your God, and cannot carry your tithe because the place where the Lord will choose to put his name is so far away, then exchange your tithe for silver and take the silver with you, and go to the place the Lord your God will choose. Use the silver to buy whatever you like, cattle, sheep, wine, or other fermented drink, or anything you wish. Then you and your household shall eat there in the presence of the Lord your God and rejoice.
0: Is that what we do now? Who brought their tithe today to eat at church? Uh, we, we don't do that. Let's move on to the next text, Psalms 137, 8 and 9.
2: O daughter of Babylon, who are to be destroyed, happy the ones who repay you as you have served us. Happy the ones who takes and dashes your little ones against the
3: rock.
0: Right now, there are people who believe this very strongly over in Gaza who are doing this back and forth to each other. Now, in my version that I like to read, it says, Great joy are those who repay you for what you've done. Is there great joy right now in Gaza?
3: No.
0: Okay. So I'm going to read Proverbs 31, 4-7. through seven.
3: Listen, Lamel, kings should not drink wine or have a craving for alcohol. When they drink, they forget the laws and ignore the rights of the people in need.
0: Stop. We believe that. At Adventist, we believe that. Okay, keep reading.
3: Alcohol is for people who are dying, for those who are in misery. Let them drink and forget their poverty and unhappiness.
0: Samaritan Center now has a new aisle.
1: <laughs> Why <am I> <laughs>
2: First text you were reading, you said, "We don't do that anymore. We don't bring our um, tithe as food, but the food was to feed the priests.
0: It was to feed his family and himself. Yeah. The offerings were cooked, and the fa- and the family's offerings, and then the priest got a piece of it. Okay. That's right. That's- but the majority of the tithe was for his own family's consumption.
2: Right." So it's a different monetary system.
0: Okay. Just, just want to make sure that we... Um, we're not following, though, how ties were set up. Yes? There's also the poor people. We're supposed to be fed at that guy. Right. Okay. 1 John 4, 8 and 16.
1: Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. Verse 16... And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God, and God in him.
0: Is this more inspired than the previous text we read? I mean We quote this more often. Okay? We choose to read what we read based on our needs. The Heavenly Spirit comes to us and speaks to us and helps us in our need. And all scripture is profitable, okay? But not all foods will I give to a a diseased individual, okay? Some of my patients have to be fed through a tube. Some of them are so diseased that they end up even have to have their food broken down with certain enzymes. And so it's elemental food that is absorbed. All of this gracious food that we are been given is not always to be consumed at the same time. Okay? And we need to be discerning about what we are recommending for ourselves as a diet as well as what we recommend for others. Because we do not always know in what condition their hearts are in. Let's go over to Monday's lesson. I'll keep Sunday's lesson out for later. In Monday's lesson, we talk about three forms of inspiration, three thoughts or three ways of inspiration. Dictation, um, verbal inspiration, and thought inspiration. What difference does it make? What kind of inspiration is (laughs) used? Well, dictation would be the exact words of God, wouldn't it? Okay. So, and, and if you believe the Bible is a dictated work of art or literature or whatever, a work of holy writing, what happens when you translate that word? I work in a, a place where a significant number of the people that I serve do not speak the language that I speak. And so I depend on a cadre of translators that come into my office and um, help me communicate with these individuals. When a certain lady with red hair shows up, I know I'm in trouble. (laughs) (laughs) She's sweet. She's a good lady. I like to talk to her, but I don't like to use her as a translator. Because... I know a smidgen of Spanish just enough to know that she's not getting it right. <laughs> and so every time she shows up I I speak differently than I do when the other three show up. I use different words. You know. So if if you believe the Bible is dictated you have to have some concern regarding what's happened in translation. You know, we have a very strong opinion in this country of a certain version of the Bible. My brother's church will only allow words from the pulpit to come from a certain version of the Bible. I have a book called the King James Word Book. And it it talks about the challenges of reading the King James Version with current English because certain words have changed their meaning. In my little pocket guide, I have about 200 select words that I have chosen out with text with King James versus another version. And um, Paul, when he's, he's talking to the Romans, he says, I meant to come and see you but I was let hitherto. Now, let, in our vernacular, means permitted. When the King James was written, the word let means meant obstructed. As an example. Tennis. Perfect example. Tennis and the King James were invented at the same time. Okay? And so when you strike the ball and it hits the net, it's not a net ball, it's a let ball. It was obstructed but still fell into the court. Okay? There are other of words like that. Peculiar. What does peculiar mean to you? Odd. 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 Strange. <laughs> the word peculiar, segula, that comes from the, the Hebrew that is in the Old Testament God talks about us being his peculiar people. You know how else that word is used? The king's crown jewels. These are my select things of value. And yet we dress funny because of that word. Okay? You know? Or we we are proud that we are considered different from our neighbors, because of that word. And yet, as used, it was his God-select people. His most chosen people, not chosen because they were any better than anybody else, as is, you know, other places, you know, it mentions that. But it was because God chose them to do a select thing for him, a precious thing for him. And peculiar should mean something different to you and I than it did to King James readers, Okay? We can go on and on and on, and I, I don't want to get down that path. But translations are a, a problem for dictation. I w- just went to a, a funeral uh, viewing for a friend of ours, a distant cousin of my wife's. His son came back from Sudan, and he's working for the Wycliffe Bible Translators. You know what his job is? He's a computer geek. And what his job is. He has uh, about 20 translators who are translating and entering their stuff into these little laptops and beaming it to, via the internet to one central location where it's downloaded and amalgamated into the Word of God. The problem is, there's a little bit of variation. And so, they have to have rules based on how you're going to translate something and his job as a computer geek is to make sure that all those rules work so that all the text gets put together and it reads like a text. Okay? <laughs> Critical issue. Otherwise, it, it comes out as gobbledygook. Okay? Do we have any examples of dictation in the Bible?
3: Ten Commandments.
0: Ten Commandments. Ten Commandments. Yeah, that's what I came up with. out right of the top. Okay? There's other places that this is dictated. Okay, In the teacher's quarterly, it had this quote. Some look to us gravely and say, Don't you think there may have been some mistake in the copyist or in the translators? This is all probable. What? (laughs) This is all probable. And the mind that's so narrow that it will hesitate and stumble over this possibility or that probability will be just as ready to stumble over the mysteries of the inspired word because their feeble minds cannot see through the purposes of God. Selected Messages, Book 1, page 16. Okay? Verbal inspiration. God was saying, and they kind of, you know, copied it down, you know, and, and reported it. Do we have any illustrations of that? Off the top of your head. Ezekiel. God was saying, and then he goes off and kind of gives thing, things. 1 Corinthians 7.10-12 was listed in our thing. What I say versus what the Lord says, you know. Thought inspiration. Do you have any illustrations of that? Thought inspiration. Isaiah, you know, and he was, um, this is what Isaiah saw. A vision of God, and yet he's describing something. You know, it wasn't written out. He's, he's describing it. The book of Revelation is largely thought inspiration. Written out by someone who saw something. Is there any other kinds of inspiration? Turn to First Thessalonians 2.13. And think about it. Is there any other kinds of inspiration in the Bible? Dictation, verbal, thought. Someone read 1 Thessalonians
1: 2.13. We also constantly give thanks to God for this, that when you received the Word of God, that you heard from us, you accepted it not as a human word, but as what it really is.
0: God's Word, which is also at work in you believers. What kind of inspiration is this? Who's inspired?
2: The hearer.
0: The hearer. Not the speaker. But the hearer is inspired. Do we have any other text that support the hearer as being the inspired individual? It's
2: a revelation in the beginning of- I'm
0: blessed is he that heareth
2: and doeth. Okay. Well, um, when they were speaking in tongues, the hearers heard them their own language. Even though I doubt they were speaking multiple languages, the hearers were perceiving what they heard in an inspired way in their
0: own language. It's a way of interpreting that text? Okay.
2: There's also something else there that they were watching the people who were living a certain way. Uh, or being inspired by God, and others were
1: seeing their lives, and they were inspired by the lives of those people. About the entire book of Luke, Luke, Luke heard heard stories about Jesus, and decided to compile
0: them. Okay, all right. Christ said, "He that hath ears, let him hear." Matthew eleven 30, fifteen, Matthew thirteen nine fifteen sixteen forty three. Mark 23. And more shall be given to you. You know. The implication is that we need to be inspired listeners and readers of God's Word just as much as the inspire inspiration to start with. Okay? There's the... the
3: yes? I was just reading and thinking um, when uh, Jesus asked His disciples, who do people say that I am? And also, who do you say that I am? And I uh, think it was Peter, that answered, and you're the son of God. And, and Jesus said, well, this is not revealed to you by, by man. It's revealed to you by my Father who is in heaven. Right. And I think that's the type of inspiration. When we are acting out of love towards others, that is inspiration. That is Christ working in us. That is not, you know, not a type of inspiration.
0: There's a famous story of a general conference president who received a letter from Mrs. White. He didn't understand it, couldn't comprehend it, filed it, filed for fifty six years. Finally was found and published in one of the selected messages books. You know. It takes an understanding ear before we can hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Okay? All right. Just a question for a personal reflection. What inspires you? Some people think that Max Lucado is the most wonderful writer. And I read him, and it's just zip. (laughs) (laughs) You know? Nothing bad about it. It's just, I see nothing there. Okay? And yet other writers, I is just like, whoa. Where did that come from? It's an i of the seer, and the ears of the hearer, where the inspiration is as well. Okay? And too often we, we just look at the book as being inspired. We don't see a, a, nece- a necessary job on our part to listen to the Holy Spirit for inspiration. Okay? So four forms of inspiration, dictation, verbal thought, at one time I put down um, thought inspiration appears to be more common in the Bible, but then also in hearing. Oh. Okay? And so the, the quarterly goes through three, and I think there should be a fourth, because truly, you know, when you read the text which they gave us, you know, hearing was just as much a, a part of the inspiration. There's a couple things that I want to cover before I get done um, today. Because implied in the introduction, as well as in some of the lessons, it talked about this underlying thing about Mrs. White. Is she inspired? And it almost, it didn't say it outright in the lesson quarterly, but the way it was presented, it was trying to justify our acknowledgement or our belief that Mrs. White is inspired. Kind of came away to kind of the side thing, and so I would like to talk about a couple issues. How did she write a book? Does anyone know? How was? Used some tribes. Okay. But
2: she wrote many, many articles and letters and
0: things like that, and then they were compiled. In- ah. Some were brought together. Do you know how that how that worked? How the mechanically it worked? So someone wrote her and said, you know, my brother is you know, and then she wrote a letter of counsel to them, and every letter that went out, she um she had it copied, okay, and if she ever got another letter saying my brother went beep beep you know that. Changed the name, letter went out. And so right now, if you get the CD with the entire writings of Mrs. White on it and look up a given statement, you may get anywhere from 15 to 38 hits on just the very same paragraph written in 38 different places. Well, how would that happen? Well, they didn't have Xerox. You know, they had people writing it out. Who was the person who largely did it? Marianne Davis. Marianne Davis was a secretarial type individual who essentially took each of the writings of Mrs. White and glued them onto a page. Okay? And she had them filed. And so Mrs. White says, Okay, we want to write a book about, here's a book, Acts of the Apostles. So Marianne Davis would go and pull out all these glued pages and they would go to a common Christian historian who said this happened first, this happened second. And so Marianne Davis would look in that book and then line all these pages up and, and then they should hand them to Mrs. White for approval. Okay? And they were edited to some extent by Mrs. White, but often they were edited by Marianne Davis or someone else so that the words fit and, and flowed and everything else.
2: Even a book on Acts of the Apostles was compiled?
0: Oh, yes. Very much so. I would like to read something from Selected Messages, Book 3, about Marianne Davis, to explain this process. Okay? Uh, before I do, who has heard of the name Fanny Bolton? Uh, raise your hand. Uh, not very many. Okay. This is going to take longer. Uh, I'll read about Marianne Davis. Okay, Marianne's work is of a different order altogether. She is my bookmaker. Parentheses. Fanny Bolton, a newspaper writer, after becoming a Cynthia Evans, was drawn into Ellen White's literary work and, and soon after be, accompanied her to Australia. Okay, so Fanny Bolton never was my bookmaker. How are my books made? Marian does not put in her claim for recognition. She does her work in this way. She takes my articles, which are published in the papers, and pastes them into blank books. She also has a copy of all the letters I write. In preparing a chapter for a book, Marianne remembers that I have written something on that special point which may make the matter more forcible. She begins to search for this, and and when she finds it, she sees that it will all make one chapter more clear, and she adds it. The books are not Marianne's productions, but my own, gathered from all my writings. Marianne has a large field from which to draw, and her ability to arrange the matter is of great value to me. It saves my pouring over a mass of matter which I have no time to do. So you understand that Marianne is a most valuable help to me in bringing out my books. Fanny has none of this work to do. Ann has read chapters to her, and Fanny has sometimes made suggestions as to the arrangement of the matter. This is the difference between the workers, as I have stated. Fanny has been strictly forbidden to change my words for her words. As spoken by the heavenly agencies, the words are severe in their simplicity, and I try to put the thoughts into such simple language that a child can understand every word uttered. The words of someone else would not rightly represent me. I have written thus fully in order that you may understand the matter. Fanny may claim that she has made my books, but she has not done so. This has been Mary Ann's field, and her work is far in advance of any work Fanny has done for me. I would like for someone on this side to look up Micah 4, 1 through 4. Okay? Stop. All you guys who have NIV, don't look that up. Okay? Okay? I want you guys to look up Isaiah 2, beginning with verse 1. Start reading Micah 4 and read 1 through 4. And I want you guys to be reading Isaiah 2, 1 and 2. Okay, start.
3: In the last days, the mountain of the Lord's temple will be established as chief among the mountains. It will be raised above the hills, and people will stream to it. Many nations will come and say... Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob. He will teach us His ways, so that we may walk in His paths. The law will go out from Zion, the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He will judge between many peoples, and will settle disputes for strong nations far and wide. They will beat their swords into plowshares, and their spears into pruning hooks. nation will not take up sword against nation, nor will they train for war any more. Every man will sit under his own, tr- own vine and under his own fig tree, and no one will make them afraid, for the Lord Almighty has spoken.
0: Similar? Yeah, word, for word. word for word. Okay. Sometime I want you to go back and read Isaiah. It says, This is the word of the Lord, as spoken to Isaiah. Okay? You go back and read in Micah chapter 2. In chapter 1, this is the word of the Lord coming to Micah, the prophet. Some hanky-panky has been going on here. Okay? The
3: Lord's repeating himself.
0: The Lord's repeating himself. Or, I don't remember if Micah was first or Isaiah was first, but someone read a portion of one prophet and said, Yes, that's what the Lord told me. He stole it. Now, for those of you who want to um, look up other passages, you can look up Jude 4 through 18 and compare it to 2 Peter 2, 1 through 3. Or you can look up Obadiah 1 through 9 and compare it to Jeremiah 49, 7 through 22. Or you can look up Obadiah 11 and 12 and compare it to Joel 3, 3 through 6. You can look up Joshua 21 or compare it to 1 Chronicles 6. Multiple places where you start reading along and say, wait a minute. Now, if you have one of these study Bibles, it's really cool because they have, say, oh, wait a minute, here on the outside they say, this is the same, you know, and they'll direct you over there. Continuing on the last seven or eight minutes about Mrs. White, one of the big criticisms for her is her use of, of other sources without giving them credit, copying, as it were. And so I was raised a conservative Christian, but Mrs. White was used as a hammer across my head. So I did not believe Mrs. White was as inspired as I do now. And so when Mrs. White's CD-ROM came out, I bought it. So anytime Mrs. White was quoted, I went to the computer and would compare what they quoted in whatever writing it was, less Sabbath or Quarterly or whatever, to the CD-ROM. And I'd go back to the original article from These Times or whatever and read the entire article. And many times what she quoted in her entire article was exactly opposite of what they were trying to prove in their point. And I think we've done disservice to this great woman who has amazing words of God. And I came away to change man. I became closer to God as a result of reading her writings and farther away from her critics. In the Sabbath school lesson this week, it talked about Luke and how he researched... His book, and yet we take it as being gospel, and we don't have any problem with that. And yet we throw stones at a 19th century woman who was ill prepared to write based on her education and her training and whatnot. I'm sure Luke had a whole collection of stories from which to choose. Okay? And he is assembling the stories to include in his gospel.
2: And what makes it precious, I think, and what we have to look at in everything we read as far as is it inspired or not, what is it saying about God?
0: Yes. Let's bow our heads. Our most gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the privilege of studying your word. We thank you for the inspiration that was given by your spirit to inspire people to write things down, we, we thank you for the inspiration that is more modern, especially the inspiration that you have given to us as hearers and seers and looking after your word. May we be informed, inspired hearers of your word. May we be good listeners and may we honor you and come to know you as your son has presented him to be. Amen. Amen.
2: Amen.